Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Just stay standing quickly, just stay standing. Can you hear me? Coming through the AV? Yeah, wonderful, brilliant. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to hear your word, read your word, understand your word, and ultimately apply your word. And I pray that those hearing your word today, that God, we'd all know what to do with it and what you're saying to us as individuals, as families, and as a church. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 As you grab your seats, turn to the person next to you and say, Are you ready? Wonderful, wonderful. Great. Thanks, Jadria. Brilliant. Um, just to say before we launch into this, um, this new series, is we've got a, a five days of prayer and fasting coming up in September. And that'll be, we'll be launching it on the Sunday, this 22nd, but if you, from Monday the 23rd to Friday the 27th, um, various things happening in life of the church. You can, we're going to encourage you, as we've done before, pray at midday the Lord's Prayer. Lunch times from Monday to Thursday, we'll be opening up the Life Lounge from 12.30 to 1.30 for a time of worship and prayer. We'll have a, one morning of early morning prayer at the 24th, Tuesday, 6.30 to 7.30. Don't worry, we'll give these on a printed sheet, an email, etc. Um, life group that week, we can pray in life group. We're going to have a 24-hour prayer wheel on the Thursday from 12 midnight to 11.59pm the same day. So sign up for that. There's a sign-up sheet on the information table. And during that 24-hour prayer day, the mounts will be open where you can come and have a room to pray in from 8.30 in the morning to 5.30 in the evening. And then on the Friday, the 27th of September, we'll have our encounter night. So it's great to pray, pray, isn't it? It's really great when we pray together, come together as a church family and commit to pray that all God wants to do in and through your lives, the life of our community, the life of the church. Who knows our nation is in turmoil right now? I'm watching the news every night. And I know, I don't want to say, yeah, the Brexit thing. But we've got to pray, church. We've got to pray. There's deadlock. There's nothing happening. God's got the answers. We've got to pray for our leaders. Regardless of what you think of Boris Johnson, whatever your political alliance, it's not about that. We pray for the people in power. We pray that God would bless our country. Ultimately, that God can cause something to, for good, for the gospel to go forward through the policies that are made. And to whatever happens, whatever the outcome of Brexit is, we're going to pray for our leaders at this time. So we want to use that as an opportunity as well in this season of prayer in life of our church. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. So those who don't know, you know me, my name is Dave, one of the leaders here, and it's great to have you with us if you're new here. So we're starting a brand new um, teaching series for the next six weeks, and it is called Days of Elijah. Give me a wave if you've heard of the, the, a character in the Bible called Elijah. Okay? Don't worry if you haven't. Don't worry. We're doing a spotlight on the life of Elijah over the next six weeks and different events in his life. And today, part one, it's called Preparation of a Prophet. Now, this is my rucksack. And since I've I told you, I've told you this before, but since January, I've started a new membership to a gym. Yes. This is confession time. Um, it's a membership to a gym. It's a 24-hour gym, and it's about a mile from my house. Okay? So there's no excuse. It's at one of these budget gyms. 
It's, uh, you can go, you know, you pay, I don't know, whatever it is a month. It's, it's, it's cheap, it's cheerful. Well, meant to be cheerful. And uh, you can go, I can go whenever I want. If I want to go at four o'clock in the morning, I can go at four o'clock in the morning. And uh, for a few months now, I've been paying my money every month. And had I been going to the gym? No. No, Michael. This is confession time. I had not been going to the gym. Well, shush. <laughs> I had not been going to the gym. I might as well have taken my money and flushed it down the toilet. So, yeah, and that was a, probably a resolution coming out of uh, January. I must go to the gym. Because who knows, apparently the gym is good for you. And it, apparently it makes you feel better. Well, a few weeks ago, everything changed. Everything changed. So, you know when you do things with other people? I really believe in the power of community. When you do things in community, there's more motivation. You're not alone. And I just needed some friends. I needed to go to some friends, some gym buddies I go to the gym with. So I went a few times with a few friends and we listed some weights and that sort of stuff. And I thought, this is good. But what I really need at the moment is not lots of weights. I need this heart to go really, really fast. I need to sweat. So one of the people I was going to the gym with said, you know, they've got some classes here. I said, count me in. <laughs> I never knew I had muscles that ached. So I went to this, it's called HITS. H-I-I-T-S, High Intensity Interval Training. Oh, my life. So the first thing was we did the warm-up, and I was starting to sweat after the warm-up. And then we did this exercise called speed skating. So I am going to demonstrate it for you. Oh, I'm still crying now. So literally, what you do, you do, an, an, uh, you do some uh, movement for an, about a minute, you have 10 seconds or so break, and then you do that same one again, and you do a sec another activity, then you've got like a 20 second break, then you do three activities, and then you have a break, and you build it up to about five, then you have like a two minute break, and then you start the next set of activities. So, literally, speed skating was this. Now, you might think that's easy. The next day, I was walking around like this. <laughs> when I got out of bed, it's like, my, my backside was in pain. And my legs, and I'd never sweated so much in my whole life. Afterwards, we thought we'd go on the, uh, the treadmill, which is those uh, walking machines. And we just walked. I put my, heads on, my hands on the, um, the sensors that get your heartbeat. Really? Should it be that high? <laughs> I've never, um, so that was now, so we began to the gym for a few weeks and then I stopped that and then basically started doing these. So three times a week I've been going to different classes. So that was hits. There's one on Saturday mornings. It's called circuits. Ah, oh, yesterday. Oh man, I was, oh, I don't even go there. It's pain. I went on a, I went on, um, I went on a bike spinning class one. You ever, who's ever done spinning? So spinning, you've got a bike and you're riding around, okay? And uh, when I got into the class, I was a couple of minutes late, so I missed all the information about how you adjust all the stuff on your bike. So literally, it was stuck in this really high, hard gear, and the saddle was really low, so my legs are up here. And I'm thinking, I can't do an hour of this. I'm going to quit in a minute. And eventually, I, I mucked around with, and 
just a few things, and suddenly I got the saddle up, and I got a lower gear, and oh, this is better. And then, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I just like, someone threw a bucket of water over me, all over the bike. I just dripped. It was just horrible. But I'm starting to enjoy it. I'm starting to enjoy it. And um, I feel, I'm feeling fitter. I'm feeling more alert. And uh, it takes a lot of preparation, doesn't it? Um, then we got another friend to join the class. And, uh, and this was the hits class. And then we did speed skating. And I just thought he was standing next to me, the station next to me. And uh, I just thought I'd have a cheeky look at him as he was doing it. And I uh, saw, basically, he was where I was three weeks ago <laughs> in agony. But he's doing well. He's getting there. But it's preparation of our body, isn't it? And today I want to talk about the preparation of a prophet. But God has got preparation for every single one of us. In every single season of our lives, regardless of how old you are, how young you are, God has got a preparation because there's things for you and I to be doing. Preparation is for purpose. What if we can say that together? One, two, three. Preparation is for purpose. So my going to the gym, it's preparation of my body. To, why? Because I want to get fit. Yeah. And, but there's everything that we go through in life, everything we face, even some of the challenges that we face, God can allow that. Why? Because there's a purpose. Some of the pain that we go through, pain is never wasted. If you allow it not to be wasted, as painful as things can be, it can be for a purpose, for a greater good that God has for your life and for someone else through your life. Preparation is for purpose. So we're going to turn to the Bible. We're going to look at... Um, the, light, the book uh, of 1 Kings, chapter 16. We're going to read from the second. Um, second uh, we're going to look at verse 29, going up to chapter 17 and verse 7. Before we do that, here's a verse which is written by James um, about the prophet Elijah. James chapter 5, 16 to 18. In the second part of the verse, it says this. I wonder if we can read this out loud together if we can. One, two, three. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Amen. Amen. Because I'm going to be talking about this guy called Elijah. And the thing about some of the people in the, in the Bible, the great things that they do, we put them on these pedestals thinking, wow, man of power for the hour, man of God. But you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Because yeah. Elijah is no different from you and I. He may have worn different clothes. He was a hairy man. We have all different clothes, wore a nice big belt. But he was no different than you and I. And we're going to see as we unwrap some of these um, different events in his life, he goes through the same feelings that you and I go through. But God still used him, and God still wants to use you and I. Can I hear an amen? amen? God wants to use all of us for his purposes in our lives, if we will let him. So let's carry on. As we read um, chapter 16 of 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 29. Great, wonderful. Who likes good news? Well, we're going to start off with lots of bad news, I'm sorry. 
Okay, boo. Okay, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as, it, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And we're just going to pause it there. Ahab was king for 22 years. He showed times in his life of contrition and repentance. But for many of those years, he actually did evil in the sight of the Lord. As we know in, the, in Kings and in Chronicles, sometimes as they're introducing a king and how long they reigned for, one of two different things will say up. Either they said they, they did right in the sight of the Lord, or they'll say, as it says of King Ahab, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. In like one sentence that summarizes the life of a person. What would you prefer? Dave Bolton, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Or Dave Bolton, he did right in the sight of the Lord. Doing right in the sight of the Lord doesn't mean to say you always get things right. Or that you never make a mistake. But your heart is to serve God. Your heart is to do the right thing before the eyes of the Lord. What would you want as your epitaph? What would you want on your tombstone? That you did right in the sight of the Lord or you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And have King Ahab coming to the throne at such a time as this and he's choosing to do the wrong thing. The thing is about our lives and your life is your life carries influence. My life carries influence. People are watching our lives. If you are part of a family, if you have friends, if you're in a position of responsibility, people are watching your lives and your life, how you conduct yourself, how I conduct myself, has influence on other people. And people want heroes in their lives. Our children want heroes. My dad once said to me, don't put me on a pedestal. I get that. But you still look up to your parents. You still look up to your parents. And how we, now we see verse 31, it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. Jeroboam was another king a few uh, generations back and he introduced for self-preservation to keep himself on the throne, he introduced to the nation of Israel golden calves. You can say you can go off and worship God, the one true God, on a pilgrimage or for convenience sake you can Worship these calves here, and it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And as if he'd done that as a trivial thing, this is now Ahab. The Bible then says, not only did he do that, but he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And what we're seeing here is, Ahab, on the, on the beginning of his kingship, having the opportunity of saying, doing right in the eyes of the, eyes of the Lord. But he chooses not to. And he chooses instead to serve foreign gods. And not only to serve them, but also to influence the nation to serve them too. 
He married Jezebel. Jezebel was of a different nation to, to, um, to Ahab. This is not a comment on mixed race marriages. This is a comment on people following God and who they partner with in life. Who do you partner with in life? Can I say, who you look for as a marriage partner is so, so important. Because in Deuteronomy, it said about don't, don't marry people of the other nations. Why? Because God, what God was saying is, because they'll lead you astray from following the one true God. That is it in a nutshell. Who are we allow ourselves to partner with? Whether it's a marriage context, a business context, sometimes even friendship context. Who we invest in is so, so important. I even would go as far to say when we're looking for marriage partners, don't even necessarily marry someone that, look to marry someone that is causing themselves a Christian. Because there's many Christians, but where is one's heart? You might have a, a calling on your life to serve God in a certain capacity, and over here someone is a Christian, but they're not really into that. And there may not be room in that future marriage for you to serve God as you really want to. We've got to weigh up marriage and partnerships in business so, so carefully. So, so carefully. Because there's a yoking together, which is really, really important. And he yoked himself not just to someone of a different culture, but someone that was far from God, worshipped false idols, and was such an influential woman for evil. We'll hear more of this as the story unravels, but watch our partnerships, watch our alignments, so carefully, so carefully, because it's not just about your life, it's about those who you influence. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Bad news, isn't it? Gets worse. Turn to your neighbour and says it gets worse. Gets worse. I mean, if you think the Bible's boring, oh gosh. <laughs> then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he built in Samaria. So he's now built a place of worship for the people. And Ahab, made, and Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, God of Israel, to anger him, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Isn't that an amazing statement? He's done more to anger God, one good true God who's seeing everything that he's doing, than every king that went before him. And that wooden image isn't just a wooden image, it's, a, it's an image of a sharer, the fertility God. And everything that went with that. In his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho, built Jericho, we should say rebuilt Jericho after it had been flattened. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Sigurd, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken to the Joshua, the son of Nun. So we've got another person on the scene here. It's dark days, and now it's even, well, I wouldn't say it's even darker, it's just dark. As he's rebuilt the foundations of Jericho, he's killed, sacrificially killed, his firstborn son. Spilt the blood. And now, as he's built up the gates, and the gates of any city are of vital importance, where politics happens, where judgments are happened, law is passed. He set up the gates of the city, 
with his youngest son by killing him sacrificially. Dark times, isn't it? But can I say this? That had been prophesied through Joshua in Joshua 6, chapter 26, 26 sorry. He prophesied that anyone who, to, to Rahab, anyone that would rebuild this and, um, and sacrifice their son will be cursed by the Lord. That's important that that was prophesied. So turn to the person next to you and say, there's good news. Because we can't put the blame of any of this stuff on God. Sometimes people say, well, uh, if God's a good God, then why is there all this stuff in the, in the world? Well, God has not made us robots. He's given us free will, which is the beauty of, of, of humanity with God. That he never forced us to follow him. He gives us a choice. But in that free will, we can choose to do wrong or we can choose to do right. And here's got people and people with influences choosing to do wrong. So, so wrong. And to them, it might be a cultural norm to do sacrificial um, sacrifice of your, of your children, but not before God, because every life matters. Every life counts. Every life counts. But this event had been prophesied. And that's important because nothing that goes on is ever unseen to God. Nothing that ever happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, is never unseen or unknown to God. Because God knows your life. He's, he's before time, he's out of time, he's ahead of you, he's behind you. Nothing can happen you, to you without God knowing about it. He knows it, he loves you, he cares for you. It's amazing. And we can read this story and we know how this story ends. And sometimes we've got to read the scripture, sometimes as if we don't know the story. But we've got to read it knowing the end of the story in mind. And the end of the story is good in this season. Why? Because your story is being written. Your story of your life is still being written in your eyes. But to God, it's already written. It's a finished story. So the one that loves you and loves you so much, looks out for you and, and just lavishes love upon your life, he knows the end from the beginning. So we can trust him. We can trust him with our lives. Here we're talking about idol worship. And an idol is anything that is worshipped before God. And we can think of these images that were set up, these temples of Baal worship. But an idol could be anything. This is my gym bag. I don't worship that gym bag. Oh, gym bag. I prostrate myself before it. It's a gym bag. But the contents of my gym bag could potentially be an idol. What have I got? A pair of trainers. Those trainers are good. They make me sweat. They make me good for my body as I, as, I, as I work out. However, if I start putting those trainers ahead of God, if I make a priority of those trainers ahead of God, then they suddenly become an idol. 
If I think, do you know what, and this would be difficult to me, for me to do as being the pastor of the church, but if I thought, you know, I'm going to start working out on a Sunday morning and perhaps not go to church, suddenly I'm putting fitness ahead of God. Fitness suddenly becomes an idol. What else have we got in here? My box set that Leanne bought me a few years ago. Only fools and horses. Like a bit of comedy. Del Boy, Rodney, Trigger, um, Marlene. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, I, uh, you know, only fools and horses. But do you know what? If I started putting that ahead of God, nothing wrong with watching that. But if you put it ahead of God, then if I thought, you know, I'll, I'll watch that rather than I'll, I'll pray less and watch more of this instead. And suddenly that becomes an idol in place of God. What else have we got in here? £10 note. Well, £10 note represents maybe our work, where we're getting our source of provision from. But it's easy for us to maybe put that ahead of God. Now, I understand the context of we need to get work when we can. I do believe that God values and honours us when we honour and value him first. That's why we teach here the law of first fruits, about giving to God first with our money and our increase. And I also believe the same being with our work. When we choose to, we've got seven days a week. But when we say, God, I'm going I'm to make a priority of coming to the house of God, and not work instead. I believe that's that principle God will honour. How are we getting our money? Also, are we being generous or just spending it on ourselves? Or say, God, I want to give. And there's another idol. There's many different things that we can put in the place of God. Here's one. And I must not knock that over. Or Leanne will not be happy. So it's a statue of a... A man, a woman, and a baby. But it is possible to put our families ahead of God. Or if we haven't yet got a family, our lives as a couple, our husbands or our wives, ahead of God. But God wants the first place in our lives. He blesses us with relationships. He blesses us with families. He loves families. He ordained the family unit. He loves it so much. But put me first, says God. Put me first. And so even in today's day and age, we can have idols, which may not look like a god or a goddess, but anything before the place of God is still an idol that God looks down on. And so on this scene of idol worship, we see Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. And he coming to Ahab and saying something. But you could replace Elijah's name with your name. Onto the scene, we had Josh. Onto the scene, about to go and speak to Ahab, we had Bill or Eben. Because Elijah is a man with a nature like ours. He's no superhero. He's a bit of an eccentric character, granted. But this normal person, just like you and I, is told to go by the Lord 
to King, King Ahab in, in, the, in, the, in the evil that is introduced to the nation at this time. And he's saying, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now we know in the amplification of this from James chapter 5 that Elijah's been praying. Elijah's been spending time with God. What great preparation. What great preparation in spending time with God. Sometimes in a secret place by yourself. Sometimes with, in fellowship, in community. But spending time with God. Putting God at the centre. And as we pray, and in, in, the 20, in, the, in the five days of prayer and fasting, we pray individually and together as a community. Let's believe that we're going to hear the voice of the Lord. It's not just for people like Elijah. It's for you and for me. God wants to speak to you. And God spoke to Elijah. Go present yourself and say this. As judgment for what he's bringing in, he's bringing in a famine into land. A famine because there will not be any rain except his command. And we know, looking back, the story, two and a half years of drought. And at first, I don't know what, what Ahab said. In response, he probably just laughed. Because when things are going well, it's like, oh, that could never happen. Watch out. And then the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So God knows that actually King Ahab is going to be on his tail. He's going to chase after him, wanting him to die or wanting to acknowledge again that there will be uh, rain again. So he's saying to him, clearly, get away and to hide. And he's commanded provision to go ahead of him. Thanks, Jadrian. So he went and did. So he's an obedient man. In the same instead of you, obedient to the voice of God. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. So he's in this like, in obscure place. He's hiding. And in this obscure place, where no one else knows where he is, God knows where he is. In the place in your life where you find yourself today, you might think, no one really understands. No one really knows. God knows. And God can get the provision to you that you need. There is provision for God's vision for your life. And imagine this in verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. So imagine Elijah going to this, this brook terrace, thinking, okay, provide for me, God. And seeing a few birds. Well, the ravens are apparently going to provide for me. My brain goes into over here. How are they going to do? And we see that there's bread and there's meat. So I imagine like, a, I don't know, in the beak of a, one of these ravens, there's a big sort of Tesco loaf <laughs> or a big kebab. It probably wasn't as nice as that. It was probably a lot like more harsh reality. Maybe it was worms. Who knows? But there was bread and there was meat. There was provision from the God. And we're going to find out next week, yeah, there's other provision, how the Lord provides. But everything, every way that God provides for us, every way that God provides for you, yeah. is seasonal. Never, never look at the channel, always look at the source, your provision. Because the channel can dry up. God is bigger than the channel. God is your source. God is the source. God owns everything. I said before, I am but a steward. I own nothing in life. 
I say I own these tra- trainers. Well, I'm a steward of these trainers. I've been given these trainers, but God owns everything. I look after what he's given, put into my hands. And here, the source is the same, but the channel is changing. And after, it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So in this place, the provision of God, suddenly the channel's about to change because there's a famine in the land. But don't worry, we're going to hear next week about what happens next and how God's provision, channel provision, changes for Elijah. But I want to introduce three very quick points just to bring this into land. Preparation is for purpose. Say it together. One, two, three. Preparation is for purpose. Preparation is about three things. Number one, preparation is about your purpose. Church, get this into your heart today. There's a reason for the season that you're in right now. Painful, joyous, painful moments now back here. Painful moments maybe right now. There's a reason. Because God's counted you worthy. The pain doesn't come through God, but he allows you sometimes to go through pain, go through difficulty, go through challenges. Why? Because it's shaping. If you allow it, if you allow it to, if you don't get bitter, if you don't get judgmental, if you don't get critical, if you allow the pain, the internal pain, and keep focusing onto God and blessing people and loving God, then God can change that pain to something beautiful and can use it for your future to benefit people. Amen? There's a reason for your season. So think God knows. God's counted me worthy of going through this difficulty. Have in mind that in the future, it might be a few months, it might be a year, it might be a couple of years, whatever the timescale that God has for your life, there's a reason that beauty can come out of ashes. Have the purpose of God in your mind. You may not know the purpose of God right now, but you might be having one day having a coffee with someone and they start to share with you and you think, oh, I've been through that. And when we've been through something similar that someone else has been through, there's so much more power. When someone knows that you've gone through what the road that they're traveling, there's greater connectivity. Some things I haven't gone through, the things that some of you have in this room. I can appreciate but I can't fully grasp because we go through different things. But God will align your lives with people who are going through the things that you've been through or are going through. But don't allow your heart to get bitter and realise there's a reason for your season. Number two, preparation is about your provision. There's provision for the vision. There is always provision for the vision. God has got a vision for your life. Elijah had a vision for his life, but it was very small. He thought he was the only one left of the prophets at one point. But God had always reserved a number that had not bowed the knee to the idols. God's got a, a vision for your life. Have you tapped into that? Do you understand what God wants for your life yet? Do you understand? It doesn't matter what, it's not about age. What does God want you to be doing? How does God want you to be serving him in the community? What gets your heart? When you, what upsets you? What makes you passionate? God will use those feelings because he's wired you, he's made you. He wants you to tap into his vision for your life, but know that there's provision for the vision. God will bless you with resource that can help you with the vision to serving him. 
We're going to be um, unlocking more of the vision of the church in the next uh, few weeks. And then we just feel compelled again that in, in October the 20th, we're going to be having another um, Faith Vision Sunday. We're going to be asking people to, inviting people just to seek the Lord about what they can for this next season of the church life. God can put in their hearts to sow into, to invest into, to pledge, faith pledge offerings into the vision of the house for the next season. Because we are in exciting times. And finally, preparation is about your priorities. The reality is we prioritise what we idolise. <coughs> Idolising is about putting anything before God. Money, entertainment, fitness, people, relationships, anything before God. Because says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Is that an easy thing to do? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But God wants us to be on a journey that says, God, above everything else, above everything else, I want to put you first. Above everything else, in the difficulties of life, I want to put you first. Elijah didn't have to do any of this. He did not have to go before King Ahab. King Ahab could have cut off his head. But he wanted to be bold. He knew his God and he wanted to step out in faith and realise, God, I want to serve you above everything else in life because you are the one true God. In fact, Elijah's name means the Lord is God. Yahweh is God. What a name in a season of generations where they're worshipping false gods. Even his name could have um, meant trouble for for Elijah, are you following the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? Because God loves you so much. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.